Turn to Matthew chapter 7. This is a great text of Scripture in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been studying through the Sermon on the Mount, and we're down to the very last part of the chapter, beginning at verse 24 and going down through the end of the chapter. Another text that you might want to kind of mark with your finger is James chapter 1. I'll also refer over to James chapter 1. Some of the passages will be on the screen. A couple of them won't be on the screen, and so you may want to, and you may want to turn your own copy of the Word uh, of God anyhow. Uh, but if you'll just hang on to Matthew chapter 7 and James chapter 1, you'll be, you'll be prepared. Now, I want to give you a picture of what this passage that Jesus is giving in Matthew chapter 7 is about. And it's a really simple picture. Uh, the message I have for you today is really simple. Uh, there's, there's really only two things to get. One is the picture and one is a, is a particular thing I'll identify at, uh, later in the, in the message. But the picture is, is a physical picture this time. It's a picture of building and of a physical building. As a matter of fact, when, uh, when we leave this property and go toward our house around Aloma, we drive past two commercial buildings that are being built. And I've been watching these buildings go up and just thinking about them and so forth. And the first one's right up here by this Hess station. I don't know if you've seen it or not. But it's, it's going up and it has still beams. You know, they're just, they're, they're huge. They're in this building as well. They're just phenomenal structures, you know. And they have great strength to them and all those kind of things. So I was watching that thinking what they were going to do with this building. You know, it's a commercial building, but I didn't know exactly what. And as I'm seeing them do that, they, they put the, they, they put the uh, you know, all the beams and so forth up. And then they come along and they put metal siding on this building. I'm just going, wow. I mean, I didn't expect that. You know, it's just the inside. It's kind of like what's on the outside of this building. This is not painted. It's just a, just a really shiny, maybe brushed metal siding. And I'm going, you know, I don't think a hurricane ought to come by right now because if a hurricane came by right now, this building would be in trouble, you know. And I'm going, what are they going to do with this, you know? And they come by on top of that, and they put wallboard, some type of wallboard on it. And it's not thick. I mean, it's just wallboard. They've just riveted it to the metal siding. And they came on top of that, and they stuccoed it. Now, I've been around Florida long enough to know that if you put those kind of things on there and these hurricanes come in at 100 miles, 105 miles an hour, that building's may be in trouble. You know? And I'm sure they're building it to the specifications that Seminole County has because they're really good at what they do and checking it out and requiring it and all that kind of stuff. But I just look at that and I thought, wow, I, don't, I, I just don't know about that building. Well, when you follow on the Loma on out just a little bit farther, you'll come to a three-story structure. It's on the left-hand side, the west side of the road as you're headed uh, from here. Uh, is, you know, and it's a three-story structure, and they're making this thing out of styrofoam. <laughs> I am not kidding, styrofoam. If you, you drive by it this afternoon, you'll notice three stories straight up, and it's solid white, and it's styrofoam. They're actually putting on the, the little side beams now on the, on the walls on the, on the, where, the, where, the, where the walls meet you know, to build it out to make it look nice. And I know they're going to stucco it and make it look really good and all that kind of stuff, but it's styrofoam. I mean, come on, give me a break. And I'm just thinking, if a hurricane came right now, this builder does not want this hurricane to come because, man, it will blow this thing over. They've actually started at the bottom level, built the fir- bottom, then they built it up, put wood beams up, all that kind of stuff, built the second one, then did the third one. It's taken them such an inordinate amount of time. And I'm just going, wow, what in the world? What a, you know? And I'm sure they're building it according to the Seminole County regulations, so I'm sure it's going to be hurricane-proof and rated, and it's going to be a beautiful building. Matter of fact, this other building over here, they're dressing it out now. It's really going to be a gorgeous building, even though it's got still underneath it, you know, and these things that just don't look all that sturdy. So, so how do you build something strong? You know? How do you build something strong? What do you do 
to build your life in a strong way. So when the hurricanes come, your life stands up to it. What is that about? That's what Jesus is trying to talk about in this text. I had a man come by and see me. He hadn't come by in a long time, and he came by and saw me this past week, you know, on Tuesday, I think it was. And, um, no, it's really interesting because he comes in, and as soon as we sit down, within one minute, he's told me exactly what he wants to talk about. One minute, doom. At the end of this minute, he has tears in his eyes, and he's basically saying, I know how weak my life is right now. I need a strong life. How do I build a strong spiritual life? How do I really get there, you know? And we spent the next 59 minutes. It was just joy-filled for me, man. I go, way to go. I love those kind of conversations, you know. And we were able to talk about some really uh, dynamic things as well as the substantive elements of those things that, that would help him know how to build a strong life. How do you build a strong life? I was in a meeting this past week, and there was 13 of us men in it, and it's really a cool room, you know, because the desires of the, everybody in the room, doesn't, nobody has to come. You know, nobody has to, there's no reason for anybody to come, quite frankly. There's not a reason in the world for anybody to come. You know, we show up because we want to grow. We want, you know, we want that, you know, and we get, these, we get these wonderful conversations going on, and we look in deeply into the Word and saying, God, what are you up to with us? And, and you see that, you know. I was, I was with one of the men from that meet, two of the men actually from that meeting on Friday, and one of them got a voice message on his voicemail um, from another one of the guys who's in that group. And this guy's on this group saying, man, I've just been thinking about the whole thing we talked about. You know, for the past two days, I can't get anything, I can't get it off my mind how this is really, I can't wait till next, you know, how do you do? How do you grow? You know, how do you become so strong that no matter what the winds do, no matter how they blow, you stand strong? You know, how do you get there? I was in um, a meeting on Friday at the New Smyrna Beach, and we were in this house, and I looked up at the one point. My, my seat that I was sitting in for these, we were six of us, and my seat that I was sitting happened to look out across the Atlantic Ocean. It was a beautiful view, you know, just really gorgeous, right on the beach and all this kind of stuff. And I, I looked up at the building that we were in, this house that we were in, and there's these great, big, huge beams, you know, wood beams going the length of, the, of these houses. I'm going, wow. That's substantial. I don't know about that metal building over here. You know, I'm not so sure about anything on those metal beams that are going to... I don't know if it's going to hang around or not if a hurricane were to come through. And I, that styrofoam stuff, if it were to hit right now, it'd really be in trouble. <laughs> no doubt about that. And they're pouring concrete into that thing, so I'm sure they're okay. But I'm looking at this going, I believe in that. That's strong. As a matter of fact, I looked over to my left and I noticed, some, I noticed one of the beams was, was stained. It had been wet. Some point along the way, this building had been built, this house had been built in the 1970s. It's been there a long time. It's gone through all kinds of storms, all kinds of stuff. And, and the weather sometimes can penetrate, but those beams weren't going anywhere. How do you get your spiritual life to be like that? How do you get your life with Christ, your life with the nature, what God's up to in your life, you know? How do you get it to be strong like that where you know it's going to stand? And in the future, no matter what the storm is, no matter how it comes, no matter what the wind is, you know it's going to stand. How how do you get there? That's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 24. It's it's really interesting, isn't it? Now, I, I titled this message, Having Heard, and I put that title on it because we hear a lot, don't we? And especially American Christians, we hear a lot. You know, we, we hear sermons, we hear Bible studies, you know, whether it's a Beth Moore study or a precept study or what. We hear a lot. 
we go all over the place. We, do, you know, we have the television we can turn on. You know, I was driving around with a friend of mine. He just got a brand new car. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous automobile. And he's talking about his sound system at one point. And, you know, he says, this sound system is phenomenal. I mean, it's got surround sound in it in this car. You know, can you imagine? I mean, it's, got, it's just phenomenal. And so later in the, as we're driving, he, he flips it on and he changes the channels and he puts it on a Bible teaching channel. It's not even music. I mean, the sound system he's got is not, I mean, it's mono coming out of this thing, you know. <laughs> this is not, not, I mean, why does he need, to, you, do you see it? I mean, we know a lot. We've learned a lot. We've been taught a lot, you know. So I'm titling this message, Having Heard. Because, and, and just look at what Jesus says here in verse 24. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine. Now just stop right there for a second because he's talking about the nature of how we hear. And he's certainly talking about Matthew chapter 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, specifically in this particular instance when he's speaking to those people. He says, all you guys that have been here, you, you know, you've heard these things. I mean, as a matter of fact, go to the next slide, Ruthie, and you'll see at the end of this text in verse 28 and 29, he reflects back on them. And, you know, this is, this is something they're saying when Jesus had finished these words. The crowds were amazed at his teaching. They were hearing. They heard well. And I mean, they go, wow. It's kind of like when you have a Bible teacher that you just love to listen to and love to hear, you go to that channel all the time, don't you? You'll go back to that channel. Why? Because you, man, he's got the good, so to speak, you know. And here it is. That's how these people were experiencing this. They heard Jesus. They heard what he said. As a matter of fact, in verse 29, you know, the scripture says he was teaching as one having authority. This wasn't the norm. This wasn't just like a normal scribe guy, you know, who's just kind of helping out, you know, or what. I mean, it wasn't just like what everybody else does. That Jesus was going far beyond that. They heard well. We hear a lot. And, 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 and part of this is just to recognize how much we hear. How much we do hear. But the point of this is it's not enough. It's not enough to hear. And when James comes, and what, basically what Jesus is doing is introducing this. He's giving us a great picture of it, a great uh, description of what the subject is. And in James chapter 1, the apostle James is building that out. He's teaching us the core of it. He's telling us what the content is, what the, how this looks in real life, you know, how I face this. What, is, what does this mean to me now, this, this wonderful truth? And so if you go to the next slide, you'll see James 1, 22. He says, Prove yourselves doers of the word. There has to be more to it, right? Not merely hearers. I mean, having heard. Does hearing create spiritual strength? No. No, it doesn't. As a matter of fact, as we walk through Matthew 7 in just a moment, you'll see these people heard, and there were two different kinds of people who came out of it. And some of them heard well, and some of them didn't hear so well, so to speak. I mean, it's, it's more than that, not merely hearers. If all we're doing is hearing, if all we're doing is listening, it's not enough. It's not going to create the strength. Jesus is trying to say, if you really want a strong house, if you want to be able to undergo the winds of this world, all the different kinds of trials that we face, it's got to be more than hearing. There has to be action beyond it, more than hearing. And look at the final two words of this verse. Delude themselves. You see... Too many American Christians believe because they listen, they're good to go. And they're deluding themselves. It's not enough to listen. There has to be response. There has to be some action to it. As a matter of fact, go to the next slide. You see, having heard, we choose. We choose. And you can just notice it in Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and acts on them, 
there's one choice. And then verse 26, everyone who hears the words of mine and does not act on them. There's another response to the words that are being said. You know, I mean, here it is. Jesus is basically saying there's, there's a response to what's heard. It's not enough just to hear. There must be a, an action now. There must be a step that I take. I need to act on this. It, it, some act, some don't act. This is where that old statement that everyone's heard before, not to choose is to choose. You know, this is that old statement. I mean, if a person says, well, I'm not going to choose right now. Well, that's foolish. You can't not choose. You hear? Did you hear? You know, Jesus, did you hear what he said? You know, okay, now there's action that comes out of it. So having heard, we choose. We choose every time. Every time you hear a sermon, you choose. Every time you open up the Bible and read it, you choose. Every time you hear a Bible study, you choose. What are you going to do with that? Or are you just simply hearing it? Hearing is not enough. That's what Jesus is trying to say. He's trying to get us to go beyond that. If we're going to be able to listen, if we're going to hear him speak, we always choose, and it's going to be one or the other. We're either going to act on it. Go, go ahead to the next slide, Ruthie. Thanks. We build on it. You know, he compares it to a man who builds his house on the rock. Here's the action this guy took. He says, okay, I've learned from this man. Now I'm going to do something with it. Go to the next slide. Does not build on them. Here's the person who hears what Jesus is saying, doesn't do anything with what Jesus said, just listens, just hears. It's like the man who builds his house on the sand. Two actions, two choices, two responses, very different from each other. One's building on it, one's not building on it. Now, he describes them by using a particular term. Go to the next slide for me. Wise. He says, a wise man builds his house on the rock. Now, he's comparing. He's using just a picture of what a person who hears the words that he teaches and then acts on them looks like. They look like a guy who builds on a solid foundation. That's called wisdom. Now, wisdom is not something far from us. As a matter of fact, James talks about this. And if you look in your text of Scripture at verse 5 of James chapter 1, he says, if a man lacks wisdom, let him ask. Wisdom is totally available to us. Anyone can get it. All they have to do is ask, pursue it. Now, he goes on in verse 6, says, you need to ask with faith. Because a, a person who doubts is in trouble. You know, a person who doubts isn't going to get there. In verse 7, he describes him as an unstable person. Double-minded is the phrase that's used. Unstable, unable to be able to be rock solid. The wise man looks at this, the wise person looks at what Jesus says, and then acts on what Jesus says. Takes what he says and actually does something with it. I'll build that out in just a few more minutes. But the picture here is this is what creates the stability. Now, the other choice, look at the other thing. He describes this guy as a foolish guy. Here's the guy who hears, but he doesn't act on it. I mean, he'd heard it. He listened to the whole thing. He knows exactly what the content of what Jesus said was, but he doesn't do anything with it. No strength there. It's like this guy who builds his house on the sand. Now go to the next slide. You see, in James chapter 1, James is going to give a different picture of this. And I want you to think about this picture because sometimes we look at that and we go, well, okay, built his house on the rock, built his house. What does that mean? Okay, well, let's look at it personally. In verse 23, he says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, now he's qualifying there, then he gives this picture. He is like a person who looks at his natural face in a mirror. Now, that's a picture we all know well, isn't it? 
We have mirrors. You looked at one this morning, probably. I did. You know, you look at the mirror and you see the reflection and you, what do you do? You trim up and you polish up and, <laughs> you know, you make, you know. And when you walk away from the mirror, you go, ah, oh, I got it. Look pretty good, you know. You dress up nice, some guys tell me, you know. I don't know what they really think about me, you know, because I dress up nice. But, you know, you look at the mirror, you got it, you walk away, and you, you know you look all right. You remember what was in the image. You remember what was in the mirror. But he says, this is like a person who looks in that mirror and then immediately forgets what he just saw. Immediately forgets what he just looked at. And, and the point of it is that it didn't make any difference. It made no difference the person looked in the mirror because they had no memory of what they just saw. It made no difference at all. Do you see it? See, what James is saying is to hear the word only doesn't make any difference. If all I do with what God says to me through His Word, whether I'm reading it personally at home, whether I'm hearing a sermon, if all I do is hear it, it doesn't matter. It's not going to do the deal. There's a different level that has to be gone to. There's a different thing that has to take place. Hearing, even good hearing, even perfect hearing, without doing will make no difference. I've got to remember. I've got to look. I've got to act on that, as Jesus would say. He who hears my word and then acts on it is like a man who builds his house on a rock, like a wise man. Now, I know many times when God is saying things to us, it won't look wise to people. It won't look wise to this world. As a matter of fact, I can just imagine that the guy who built his house in the sand is looking across the street at the guy who built his house on the rock, and he's saying, you know, when you go to bed tonight, you're going to lay on a hard, a really hard floor. And tomorrow you're going to get up and you ain't going to have slept well. And you're going to have a headache or a neck ache or a backache. But me, I got nice soft sand over here, man. I'm going to make me a really, I'm going to wake, I'm going to get a good night's sleep. Building your house on the rocks, what? that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. That's how it looks. That's what it feels like. Go to the next slide. But the rain always falls. Here is the point. The rain always falls. Look at it in verse 25. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And then verse 27, exactly the same words. The rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house. You see, it's two houses, one storm. Two houses, one storm. It's like they're sitting right next to each other. One's on the rock, one's on the sand. And here comes the rain, here comes the wind, here comes the... And it slams against this house. And one of them falls and one of them doesn't fall. You get it? You see, the stuff of life that we go through every day, we're going to go through. As a matter of fact, if you look at James chapter 1, verse 2, 3, and 4, you'll see James describe this. And it's, and it's really interesting to me that he wasted no time to get to it. He got to his subject fast, kind of like that friend who came in this past week. Verse 2, I mean, right after he just says hello in verse 1, he says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The rains are going to come. Here's another way it's said in Scripture. It rains on the just and the unjust. 
You know, there's a lot of Christians out there who think God is this Mr. Fix-It guy who ends up saying, okay, I'm going to keep that from happening. And that's just not the truth. That's why James says in verse 2 of chapter 1, Consider it all joy when various trials come. Now, every trial might not be yours, and yours will be different than mine. Kind of depends on what, where you live. Do you get a hurricane? Do you get a tornado? <laughs> or we, we heard about a friend of, of um, Meg's sister last night that this past week they had a tornado go down their street right in Oviedo. You know, we had one come across our, our house about, uh, I don't know what it was now, two years ago maybe, or a year ago. Literally came right across our house, ripped trees up out of all the places, you know, destroyed roofs and all this kind of stuff. Literally right over top of our house. Oh, we got a tornado, not a hurricane. Okay. But the, the storm is going to come. It is going to come. Do you stand strong and last, or do you fall flat, so to speak? Go to the next slide. See, here's, this, here's Jesus again in Matthew chapter 7, verse 25, and he says, All this happened, yet it didn't fall. This guy's house didn't fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. It had stability to it. And then the next slide. Here's the foolish guy. I'm, go, go, we're going to jump that for a second. We'll come back. To, go to the next. Thank you. No, the next one. Go, go ahead. No, forward. Go ahead. Go, no, no, forward. Now go back one. Thank you. <laughs> this is, I did this worse in the first service, so it was really. Here's verse 27, right? This, all this stuff happens, and this house fell. Why? Because it was on sand. It didn't have the stability to it. How do you know that your life is going to stand up under the rains and the storms that are going to come? And they're going to come. Some of, the, some of them come by nature, by the way. And it's not only anybody's fault. It just happens. It happens to all of us. Like the tornado going across my house. My next door neighbor is not a Christian. It went across his house too. You know? It wasn't anybody's fault that that it just happens. We're going to experience those kinds of things. Part of the human condition, so to speak. They happen by nature. And sometimes they happen for nurture. You see, God is after something inside of us, and so He's not going to leave us alone. One of the reasons why you can expect storms in your life is because God wants you to mature, and the endurance the storm produces brings to you the capacity to experience completeness, to experience maturity, to be strong. The storms aren't going to stop. As a matter of fact, it I, don't, I think God's saying, I love you. That's the reason I'm going to let the storms come. Because I know what the result of the storm is when it comes. It's strength. Unless your house falls flat. <laughs> now go back to this one slide, I think it is. Yeah, go back one slide. So, here, so here's the wisdom statement. Previous wisdom leads to future security. In other words, here's the guy, here's Jesus. He acts on it. He builds his house on the rock. When the storm comes, he's got security. His house doesn't fall. Previous wisdom leads to future security. So the question becomes, how can I be wise today? How can I make the actions today of my life based on what God is saying to me? How can I do that? Because that's going to produce the future security. Are you hearing me? I know this is simple, right? Go, go down two slides now. Previous foolishness leads to future failure. It's just going to come. I mean, if I think that I can live my life without what Christ is saying to me, I'm kidding myself. That's what he's saying in Matthew 7. It's like you go and build your house without a foundation. The winds are going to come and knock it over. And if you think that you can only hear what I'm saying and not act on what I'm saying and be strong enough to 
make it through the storms, you're wrong. And the very thing I'm after for you is going to happen because you act on what I say. Hearing's not enough. You've got to choose. And we do choose every time, right? Now, we're going to make foolish choices or we're going to make wise choices. Which one's it going to be? How is it going to happen? So my action for you today is pretty simple action is choose <laughs> today, right now. Choose. When James is teaching us, he comes down near the end of the chapter in verse 25, and, and he gives the secret. He gives, here's the core thing. Here's the one thing I want you to walk away with today. The one thing. The one thing that I believe if you act on this one thing, you're going to grow strong. You're going to make wiser choices. And when the storms come, your house, so to speak, is going to stay up. Jesus is saying, if you hear my word and act on them. So James says, but the one who looks intently at the perfect law. Now, here's the metaphor again, just a picture, right? It's the difference between glazing and gl- glancing, you know, d- d- gazing and glancing. Does the person gaze? Do they, do they look intently at this word from God? Or do they just glance at it, you know? It's kind of like you got that great preacher that you love and you love to hear him and, boy, he preaches these great sermons and you've heard that one sermon. If I could just hear that sermon again, I'd be all right. And, you know, and you go and you try to find it. You try to find that one sermon. You watch his program on TV and you go, he didn't do it this time. Huh, I can't believe he didn't do it. I wanted him to do this one because I really needed it. Just glancing at the Word. If I just get enough of that, you know? If I get enough, I get, you know, pump me up, pump me up, you know? Help me out here. Give me enough to go out and do it another seven days. Boy, in seven days, I'll come back and get another feel. You know, I'm just glancing at the Word. Notice the phrase. Looks intently. I mean, it's talking about gazing, isn't it? It's talking about hanging in there with it. Going through some of the things we're going through right now, you know, I'm asking a lot of questions and I'm praying about a lot of things. I don't know what the answers are. Honestly, I don't know what the answer, a bunch of answers are. And and Meg was saying to me the other day, she says, you know, I came across this psalm and it's just a little psalm. She says, I don't know what it will mean to you, but here it is. And she gave it to me. You know, she read it to me, you know. You know what I'm doing with that psalm? I'm telling my other guys about it. <laughs> I'm reading it. I'm saying, Lord, what are you going to say to me out of this psalm? Now, she doesn't even know what this is supposed to mean to me, but it doesn't matter. I'm the one to look intently, you see? And I'm, I'm going to focus on that psalm, seven little verses. I'm going to dive into those seven little verses and say, Lord, I want to understand what you're saying in this message because here it comes, and it's coming from a person that's pretty valuable to me, <laughs> you know? And I'm listening. I'm listening. Intently looking. But you know what you have to do to be able to do that? Next phrase, the law of liberty. James is telling us something now about the Word of God. Not only that it's the perfect law, that it's the perfect Word of God. In other words, it won't fail you, and it'll give you the clear path to walk. That's what laws do. You see a speed limit sign, you know what speed you're supposed to drive at. It's clear. When you get a command from God, the law of God, it's clear. You know which path to go. You know, it'll actually sweep you through a bunch of stuff in life, you know, as you walk that path, it's clear. But it's also the law of liberty. See, this person has to believe that the Scripture, the Word of God, is what frees. They have to believe that it's the Word of God. It's literally the Word of God. It's not the preacher. It's not the Word. It's not hearing it. It's the Word of God that creates liberty in my life. It's the Word of God that frees me from the bondages and gets me out of the messes and keeps me so that I'm strong and so that I'm able to know that my house is built on a rock so that when the storm does come, and it will come, when the storm does come, that my house just doesn't fall over. I don't, you know what happened to the guy in the sandy house? 
He lost everything. It came crashing in on top of him. And we feel that so many times. And the reason we do is because we're not looking intently. We've got to learn to look intently into the Word of God. And if I believe it's the law of liberty, if I believe it's the path, it's going to be the clear way that I get to the place to where I'm freed from those things that are binding me and holding me back. I'm freed from those things. Then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get there. And look at the verse. And, and abides by it. That word abide means remain in it. In other words, what Jesus says, what the apostle says in that text of Scripture becomes instructive to me. I'm not going to just listen to it and then not pay attention to it on Wednesday at 3. No, Wednesday at 3 p.m., I'm listening to it. You know, I'm applying it then. I'm not just gazing at that mirror and then not thinking about it throughout the rest of my week, hoping that I make it to the next time I get to hear or the Word of God again? No. No, I'm gazing right in the middle of that week, right in the middle of that storm. I'm intently looking, abiding in it, not having, a, having become a forgetful hearer. Not looking into the Word, then forgetting it. Man, if I could only hear it, you know? No. No, an effectual doer. This person is the one who's blessed. You see, if I want to if I want the blessing, if I want the nature of what God's up to in my life, I've got to intently look, and I've got to do it personally. I mean, I can't do it for you, and you can't do it for me. You know? And, and it's not the psalm that Meg gave me the other day. That's for me. Yours might be different. It will be different. You know? Where is it, and what is it? Next week, I'm going to teach out of Acts 18 and 19 and just tell you part of my journey right now and, and, and go through because those are two of the chapters I've been meditating on and thinking about, you know? intently looking into, saying, God, what are you up to right now? What are you doing inside of me? I want to be strong. I certainly want to be blessed. Do you want to be blessed? <laughs> Effectual doer. It's not enough just to hear. It's never been enough just to hear. It's one of the reasons why so many Christian lives are wrecked is because they're hearers. They're great hearers. They can be a phenomenal hearer. They can be a perfect hearer. Knowing exactly. And when you look at that Matthew 7 text, Jesus does not say that the guy who built his house on the sand did not hear or did not hear well. He did hear. He just didn't act on it. Choose today. Choose today. Act on his word, you know. Learn how to act on his word. It's the, it's the thing that's going to cause the strength in your life. The Word of God literally being infused into who you are and, and ingrained into what it means that you are. You know? In this same chapter, chapter 1 of James, you know, James ends up describing it as the Word implanted. It's like a seed put inside of fertile soil, watered and fertilized well. Guess what? <laughs> it's going to grow. <laughs> it's going to grow. But if all you do is listen... It's not going to produce the result that you want or I want, that you need or I need. It will not produce the result. It has to be acted on. Well, Father, I thank you for Jesus' words. They're so, so simple and they're so clear. And I know God, just from a practical standpoint, doesn't answer all the questions. I, I go, so what word do I intently gaze upon? What word do I really think about? How do I apply it? How do I do that after I hear a sermon like this and read a text like Matthew 7, 24 to 29? How do I do that, Lord? And God, I know that there's a lot of questions and a lot of, and we need each other in that journey. We need each other to think out loud together and to reflect together and to learn together. 
just like I do with the guys on Wednesday and, and my prayer partner and my wife and the people who are just so valuable to me, God, in my walk with you. I think of Paul Murphy up in Jacksonville and Steve French here in town. God, it's just, it's just a wonderful thing when you think in terms of what you're, in, what you're doing in us and how you want us to be mature and to be strong and to be blessed. You want that. But it doesn't come just because we hear, Lord. Help us get that one truth and believe that, that it's the law of liberty and that if that law is effective in my life because I act on it, then the liberty will be experienced in my life. And if I do not, then I'm a foolish man. Uh, grant us wisdom, God, beyond ourselves, to be sure. Place your word deeply within us now as we seek to say to you, uh, here is my response to this word from you today, Lord. As we give back to you in just a moment, Lord, we give because you've commanded us to give, to be sure it's clear, but we give also because we want your kingdom expanded. We want to be obedient in our giving, and so we're giving obediently today. Uh, we're not giving just because of need. We're giving because of you, because of what you, because you've called us to yourself. Thank you. And we, we also are going to worship and sing this song, Lord, a wonderful song. We're going to say yes to you in a sense. And my prayer is that that yes will work into our, our everyday week, our everyday life, building strong, strong lives that hold up when the winds come. Bless us with that, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.